Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This week, we'll hear from Pastor Bill Wilson on living today in light of tomorrow. Now here is Pastor Bill. Good morning. Wasn't that message from Pastor Jason for those who were here last week phenomenal? Wow, it was great. You know, all of the messages in this series Uh, are available online if you want to go back. We've had eight weeks in the book of Malachi. We're going to be in chapter four this morning as we wrap up this series on future. And I want to take a few moments to talk to you about living today in light of tomorrow. What a perfect message for today. Living today in light of tomorrow. I don't know if you're aware of this, but since January, uh, we've had 145 skaters come to this campus to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. 145. Pastor Paul, thank you so much for your investment in these young people, many of them coming for the very first time, and they don't only have skills on skateboards, but they get to hear the gospel presented in a way that they understand it, and many have been touched. And we were talking about this morning, the seeds of the gospel are planted in the lives of people, and they'll never forget it ever again. So praise God for what Portland Christian Center has been doing and what it continues to do to be a blessing. I, wanna, I want you to grab your Bibles or find on your, your uh, devices Malachi chapter 4. And I think this is a message um, that you might want to take a few notes on. I'm going to make a few comments today, a few points on living today in light of tomorrow. Living today in light of tomorrow. A lot of people live for today only. They don't think beyond today. Some people are just microscopes. When God wants you to be a telescope, when God wants you to look beyond the moment. And we're in a society, in a culture, that uh, thinks about just this moment. But I want you to see what the Bible has to say about living today in light of tomorrow. And I want to read from the book of Malachi, chapter 4. Let's all stand, if you don't mind. I know we've stood quite a bit, but I just want to read. Now, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, the text for the day. And then I'm going to minister with points from the New uh, International Version. So you'll see slightly different, but I'm doing it on purpose to confuse you. No, 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 no. To see the explanation, because some of us... Uh, catch it a little bit better. So I'm reading from New Living Translation, verse number one, chapter four. We're going to read the whole chapter. Good news, it's not 150 verses long. It's just six verses long. Okay. The Lord of heaven's armies says, the day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw, and they will be consumed Roots, branches, and all. Verse 2, but for you, everybody say for you, for you. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go free, leaping like, with joy like calves let out of a pasture. On the, that day when I act, you will, ha- will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet says the Lord of heaven's armies. 
Verse 4, remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, all the decrees and regulations that I give him on, gave him on Mount Sinai for all of Israel. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Father, Lord, we are just people here looking into your word, but in these end times, we need to know how to live. We need to know how to prepare. We know how to be looking forward to tomorrow. Take your servant today and anoint him in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to the person next to you, punch him in the stomach, and say, sit down. No, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Uh Some of you were thinking about it, weren't you? You weren't. Let me tell you about two two friends, two friends. And their name, uh, we'll just say they're Art and Walt. So these guys were entrepreneurs, and they're very successful in their community. And one day, Walt called Art and said, hey, listen, I'm thinking of this big project I'd like you to be a part of. I'm going to come by, pick you up, and we're going to go for a drive. And so he picked him up. They drove for 45 minutes from the city they lived in, which was quite sophisticated. And uh, they drove on this narrow road for about 45 minutes and came into a grove of trees. They got out of the car, and Walt began to share what he could see for tomorrow. And he began to share this big dream. And Art was not impressed. In fact, Art said to him, he said, I think this is a stupid idea. And Walt said, listen, I want you to be in on this. I want you to be on the ground floor. I want you to invest with me on this. And, and Art said, no, it's a dumb idea and I'm not gonna do it. And all the way back from there, Walt was trying to convince his good friend Art to get involved in this project. And he said no. And what happened next, he will never forget and has written a book about it as well. Malachi 4 and verse 2, I don't want you to forget, but for you who fear my name, but for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. That's one of those verses you've heard, and I wondered where it was, right? He will rise with healing in his wings. Now, God brings us to a place in life this morning where everybody, if everybody knew what I was speaking about today, and thank you for joining me online this morning, they would be in this building because we're at a critical time in human history, very interesting time for especially younger people who have not gone through something like this, perhaps for those who are older and and, uh, the great-grandparents kind of remember some of these kinds of things happening before, but we're in a very critical time, as you know. 67%, uh, it's it's recorded that 67% of Ukrainians are God-believers. They consider themselves Christians. Now, there's all kinds of versions of that, Orthodox as well as Evangelical and so on, but they do have faith in God. 47% of Russians have the same uh, commitment of faith. This community is made, when I say this community, Portland, Oregon, we have a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ who are Ukrainians and Russians who this morning are feeling the sting of what's going on in the world. And in the midst of all of that, you wonder, what is tomorrow going to hold? 
you sit on the edge of your seat thinking that sometimes the leadership of the world is stupid and arrogant and resistant. And certainly the Bible unfolds for us that in the last days, the Bible describes them, in the last days there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be pestilence and there will be various kinds of plagues that will come upon the world. And if you haven't noticed lately, we're seeing all that happen right now, right? And they're even preparing for big earthquakes here in Portland. Hey, I heard it on the news again. What should we do? How should we live today in light of what's coming tomorrow? And if you just look at the news, it could be very depressing. But stay with me this morning and let me just unpack this. This little book of the Old Testament, the last one in our, our English Bibles, the book of Malachi, is uh, very powerful and it shows us what is going to happen in the future. Isn't that interesting? You do a series on Revelations, everybody comes. You do something on Daniel, everybody comes. You read Matthew chapter 24 where Jesus talked about the end times. But Malachi himself is part of the chorus of how to prepare for the future. And we want to be ready. It's amazing how it applies and applies to us today. So you read this verse, for, for you who fear my name, the righteous, the son of righteousness, will rise with healing in his wings. Now, the word fear can be also translated in other versions, and we'll see this in a moment, the word revere, revere, or reverence, if you will. And Malachi is saying there is coming a day, there is coming a day. In fact, he says the word day several times, and here he says in verse 3, on the day, verse 5, the great and dreadful day, the day, that day, the day. And he's speaking about what? He's speaking about Christ Jesus returning, Jesus Christ returning. Now, to the Old Testament reader and receiver of this prophecy, they saw, they hadn't seen the Messiah yet, so they're reading this with anticipation of the first coming. That has been fulfilled. And now we're reading it in this day in 2022, that we're reading it about the return of Jesus Christ. So how do you live today in light of tomorrow? Write it down, here you go. Number one, my first point, I got off the front porch real quick. Be aware of the final day of retribution. Be aware of the final day of retribution. Surely the day is coming, he says. It will burn like a furnace. Not a, not a root or a branch will be left to them. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 1. Malachi is talking to us about a day of retribution. We should be alert to this. We should be aware of this. We should bypass this. The day in which there will bur be burning like an oven. This is serious, this is startling, this is severe, and it's about judgment. Retribution speaks of future judgment that will come. It speaks of events that will take place. Uh, we're not there yet, but it's coming, it's coming. This is what's going to take place. So one of the things that I really appreciate about my parents, and perhaps some of you feel the same way, is my parents consistently made sure that I was in church. And they wanted me to hear great communicators of the Word of God. People who we as kids thought were very famous. I don't know how famous they were, but they were good orators. They were good Pentecostal preachers. They could move a crowd if they wanted to, but when they preached the Word of God, it's amazing. My parents were very 
strict, in fact, making sure all four of the kids of their family were in church on a regular basis. Now, in America today, since the pandemic, you know, people used to come two or three times a month. Now it's like once a month. And I want to just, as, as your pastor, because I'm not always going to be your pastor, so as your pastor, I can say anything I want, right? I want to just speak to the parents for a moment. Your consistency or lack of consistency in person pays off somewhere. And when you're living today in light of tomorrow, the best thing you could do for your children is bring them to church physically and get them engaged. Now, they may be coming screaming and hollering, and I get it. But I want to tell you that there are moments in time that if they're not in the house of God with other believers, are you following me? They're going to miss life-changing experiences that could affect the way they live tomorrow. I'm just telling you that too many have taken an easy way out and only done it out of convenience. Now, I'm speaking to the choir here because you're all here. But I'm speaking to thousands of people who are watching me online too. Come home. And next Sunday, we're going to start a brand new series called Welcome Home. And we're going to talk about vital uh, aspects, attributes of the local church that will make it what God intended it to be. But I want to encourage you to get engaged. This may be a, a beginning of a new routine for you. So when I was a teenager, my parents felt it was important that I attend a large youth rally where there was a well-known speaker who had been invited to speak. And we lived in a little country town, so walking into an auditorium that seated several thousand and see thousands of students, high school students, junior high, and parents there was quite thrilling to me. In fact, it was one of the few times in my life I ever sat in the balcony. And the only reason I sat in the balcony, not that the balcony's bad, but the only reason I sat on the balcony is because there were no seats on the main floor. And I remember sitting next to my mom the whole time, and I was... I was mesmerized by the speaker. His name was Reverend David Wilkerson. For those who don't know that name, he uh, felt compelled many years earlier to go to New York City, Brooklyn specifically, and minister to street gangs. And he became a very strong, for at least 50 years, prophetic voice in America. He wrote books, he preached hard sermons, he was, he was intense. He, he walked in the office of what I'm going to call a prophet, a true prophet, who spoke the word of God clearly. And oftentimes, it wasn't comfortable. It was like reading the book of Malachi. And I remember my parents drugged me, now, not with chemicals. They drugged me to church. They drugged me to uh, the altar. They drugged me to events like this. My mom and dad thought it would be a great idea if I could be drugged down to the front of this huge auditorium at the end to meet Reverend David Wilkerson. Hey, when you're a teenager and you're going to meet a real man of God who reads your mail, you're not too excited about doing that. And I still remember how uncomfortable I was. And my parents drugged me across the platform and there we were. At 15 years old, a tall drink of water, and he, my dad said, this is our son, Bill. And Reverend Wilkerson didn't say hello. He didn't say, nice to meet you. He didn't say, hey, you look great tonight. He didn't say anything like that. He just put his hand on my forehead, and he prayed a prophetic prayer over me. Now, can you imagine if my parents hadn't taken me to that event? 
I wouldn't even be talking about it tonight. Today, I wouldn't, may not even be up here. They took me, and in that moment, he spoke, as Joyce said, I declared a word over my life. It wasn't, you know, you're going to be this great person. You're going to be the pastor in Portland. You're going to be, none of that. He talked about and prayed over me a prayer of direction for tomorrow. It was a moment in time, but it was like about tomorrow. Now, I say that because this is what Malachi is saying. He is declaring a prophetic word of what is going to happen tomorrow. Look, look again at, at this. And, and by the way, Dr. Wilkerson's message was he was concerned about the direction America was going and more concerned about the direction that the church was going. The church was shifting from being Bible-based to becoming more politically inclined and social-based. And then he listed uh, many times, and if you want to read one of his books, you could find them online, I'm sure. Many times he listed the social ills of today. And he, prior to them being social ills, they became social ills because he saw through the hand of God what was going to take place in the future. And he warned the church to be very careful and guard, guarded about compromising your biblical faith and allowing things like uh, dissension and division and socialization and being a social drinker and all these things that he went on and on. And some people argued with him. But when you look back now 50 years later and you feel what he said and you remember what he said, you realize that he was trying to prepare us for what we were facing even today. And Malachi speaks to us as well. He says, listen, you got to be aware that there's going to be a final day of retribution or judgment that's going to come. He said, uh, and he says, God is going to have a day of justice and judgment when people of evil will face the wrath of God. Are you with me so far? Now, there are, there are present-day consequences for sin and lack of obedience. Those things happen. Romans chapter 1 talks about that. He says there's present penalties for violating God's law. You'll see that there. But Malachi is talking to us about a future uh, accountability. He's talking to us about a future that is fiery and a final day. Not one sin will go without punishment, he's saying. It's pretty, it's pretty heavy stuff. Every sin will be dealt with. All the arrogance, every evildoer, every tyrant, every uh, uh, thing you can imagine that has affected the world and led it the wrong way will be burned up and there won't even be stubble. He goes on to speak that it's a hopeless future for somebody without God. There will not be a root or a branch that will be left. There will be no future and one of my favorite words that I love to think about is hope. There'll be no hope for those who have resisted God. Bill Wilson will be accountable to God for everything he has said in this pulpit. Bill Wilson will be accountable for God for how he loved his wife and raised his kids. Bill Wilson will be accountable for everything I've done with the resources God's blessed me with. And he will, he will uh, uh, hold me accountable for whether I was obedient to go when he said go and stop when he said stop. You get, you get the picture. There will be a day. So there's, although there's two kinds of judgment for those who don't know God and those who knew, know him, we'll give an account 
And he is warning us about this. He said, be aware, as he's reading, or writing to us, of the final day of retribution. It's not over. Paul speaks about this. If you want to look over at first, or 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul also talks about this in his writing. God is just, he says. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire, there that word again, with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not know, obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the personal and moral and spiritual choices have consequences. And ultimately, we see uh, the place of blazing fire. Now remember, God is whole love. Remember that? And he's also holy. And because of his holiness, there is a, a point of judgment for those who reject holiness. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Yeah, yeah, I'm not done yet, so hang in there. God did not create any of you in this room to go to hell. He created you to be in his presence for all eternity, and we refer to it as heaven. God didn't create you to live in hell today. He created you for a bright future. But those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ, now listen to me carefully, those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ, it's laid out here in Malachi of what will happen. And I'm just delivering the mail this morning. Now I'm glad the passage doesn't end there. But it is quite sobering, even as Pastor Jason shared last week in that opening part of of his message in the third chapter. You see how the, the prophets, prophets sometimes can be a little uh, abrasive to those of us who are all about grace and mercy, but they're telling us the truth. I would rather have somebody tell me the truth than to uh, not tell me the truth, right? There's probably a better way to say it, but the, the reality is I want somebody to shoot straight with me. And this is what the prophet is doing. And he's helping us understand there's a second coming of Jesus and here's the truth. So the first thing to remember is we got to be aware that there's going to be a final day of retribution, a day of judgment. The second thing I want you to write down this morning is be assured of the future day of restoration. A future day of restoration. Be, be assured of the future day of restoration. The Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in His wings. So after He comes off this direct word of judgment, where we're all gonna give an account and God deals with us in various ways now, but ultimately, he comes back to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Remember for those who are believers that there is a day of restoration. The sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. So when I was about 10, my parents put me into swimming lessons at the lo local municipal pool, which is the only pool in town except for really, really, really rich people, which were very few. So some people had pools in the backyard, not like today, but just a few. And so all the kids in town, that was like a big deal. At that same time, uh, I began to lie to my parents over the dumbest little thing that I think about now, but it's interesting. I was covering for something one time but you know how lying goes. It like, okay, the second time I had to cover twice. 
Are you with me? Anybody ever done this? I know you haven't, Jason. I know, I know. Okay. <laughs> so I realized that I got into the habit of lying to my parents about, uh, I'm not going to get into details, but it was, <laughs> anyway. I went to swimming lessons. I rode my bike home eight blocks, I think, nine blocks, across Main Street down to our house. And I parked my bike out front. I walked in, the front door was wide open. The radio was blasting. The lights were all on. And I said, Mom. And nobody answered. I yelled again, Mom. Anybody have this kind of experience? No answer. And then you know what I remembered? I've been lying to my parents. And Jesus came and left me behind. And I still remember it as if it happened yesterday. I got down on my knees in the little living room we had in the chair, and I began to cry out to God, I have missed the second coming of Jesus, and I have sinned. And I went on, and I was in convulsions of fear that Jesus had come and left me behind. There used to be a movie a long time ago when we were just kids, Left Behind. A lot of people got saved after they watched that movie of what could be in the future. And um, some of you need to be thinking, I'm talking to somebody this morning. You know what I'm talking about. It may not be 10-year-old lying, but it's something. And I'm just saying, you better get right with the Lord. There's a day. There's a day coming. And we want to be assured of the future of restoration. Within a few moments, my mom walked in. I said, Mom, Mom, like I hadn't seen her in months. Where have you been? She said, I was just next door. What's wrong? And I began to cry, and I said, I've been lying to you, and I thought Jesus came and left me behind. And there was a wonderful moment of restoration, a moment of assurance, a moment of meeting God. Now, you see, if I'm a parent and I don't believe in any of this stuff and some of these things happen, what am I going to say to them? I need to instill this in my own life as well in the life of my children and my grandchildren. And perhaps for some of you who are much older than I am, great-grandchildren. Someday, I'm sure I'll be able to say that, but I can't right now. The reality is the restoration. We must ask ourselves, do I revere and reverence the name of God? I must bow my knee and say, Lord, help me, because there is a day of restoration. Hallelujah. So my mom and dad lived in uh, Seattle for 35 years. My dad pastored the same church for almost 20, and then he was an associate pastor for 10 years. And in all of that, he did what some of you do. He did a little investing for his tomorrow. And we lived in Olympia, Washington at the time, and we went up to see him. And he said, hey, get in the car. I want to take you somewhere. And he took me over to this neighborhood off 175th and I-5 in uh, northwest Seattle. And uh, he pulled up to this house. And he said, I bought this house. I said, you did? He said, yeah, it's an investment. He said, we're remodeling. Your mom and I are coming over here every night. We're painting. We're putting new flooring in. Now, Dad, I know you're watching, so I want to just say, when you took me into that house for the very first time, I thought, what in the world are you doing? 
This is a dump. I wouldn't live in this if you asked me to. Who's going to rent this house? When they got done, there was plenty of renters lined up to rent this, what I thought was a dumpy house. And a few years later, Dad, you remember that that house you put a few thousand dollars into, you turned around and sold it for millions of dollars, which I'd like to be in your will, by the way, if you're going to do that. <laughs> he sold it for multiple thousands of dollars. Why? Because he and mom restored something that was broken. And that's what God is going to do. He is like the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. This is the thing. And you're living for today in light of tomorrow or living today in light of tomorrow. Remember this, that he's the restorer of the brokenness of your life. And he begins that restoration even now. And he will ultimately come. He will ultimately come and restore. Now notice it says he has healing. He's the son of righteousness. He's using the son as an example. John chapter 8 verse 12 has a similar reference to Jesus. I am the light of the world, Jesus said. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The sun, which is 93 million miles away, provides true light. At night, if you uh, go out on the streets with a nightlight in the street lights, it's funny how things change color. Your white t-shirt will turn yellow. Your blue bike will become purple. I mean, there's all kinds of things that happen with, with substitute artificial light. But when the true light comes, he reveals this healing. He brings restoration. And Malachi says, for you who re revere my name, reverence my name, honor my name, worship my name, the son of righteousness will bring healing in its wings. In other words, what we see today in the turmoil of this world will be a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus will come. First John 3, 2. When he appears, we'll be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So be aware of the final day of retribution. Also, be assured of the future day of restoration. And my third thought here today is be anticipating the fantastic day of rapture. The fantastic day of rapture. Look at number verse 5. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. Now, I realize, unfortunately, and what Dave Wilkerson predicted would happen is that in many of our churches today across America, we don't talk about the return of Jesus Christ. We talk about just getting through today. I'm here to tell you that you live today in light of the future. And the Bible teaches us over and over again that Jesus is going to come back soon. And I personally believe that we are in what we would call the last days of this time. We are in the last days. This is why it is imperative that the church come together, remember what the gospel is all about, preach the gospel, and win our friends and neighbors and our coworkers to Christ. These truths are as important today as they were when my great-grandmother, Mary, heard it for the first time. And when she was in her 80s, somebody said, you've heard about Jesus returning all of your life. What do you think now after all those years? And she said, he's a little closer than he was when I first heard it. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming.
Joy and I went on a trip and we went to a dining room. There's hardly anybody in the dining room. We ordered our meal and I noticed that uh, an older couple came in and set a table across from us. And it may shock you, I said hi to them and uh, had a little conversation. They, uh, I found out that this man was hire, uh, retired from the aerospace industry. I t attempted to ask him every question I could think of uh, about that industry. And since I'm not very uh, clever or uh, alert or uh, astute in that kind of uh, industry, I, I didn't know really what to ask after I got past, uh, you know, if you ever watched Star Wars. So, you know, I, 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 I didn't know really what to say. I, I remember as kids, you know, space exploration and all that kind of stuff. But finally, he said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm, I'm a minister. I work with churches and pastor. And he was quite fascinated with that. And as we got up to leave, he said, I do have one question for you. He said, uh, what can you tell me about the rapture? You know, Joy's almost out the door. <laughs> I, I thought, in these few seconds, what can I say about the rapture? And I told him as quickly as I could that he, Jesus Christ, was coming again, and we needed to be ready, and this is what the Bible says. Now, the word rapture is not in the Bible, but it describes what we call the catching up, which is in the scripture, the catching up of Christ. So it's not like heresy to use the word rapture, but it's, it's, it's the catching up of believers. Uh, and then the second coming of Christ is a term. And I want you to look at 1 Thessalonians. I'm almost completed, but I want you to, just to catch this for a moment. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 and 18. Now, I know when I speak on Sunday at Portland Christian Center, I have a lot of biblical uh, individuals who are biblically astute and alert, right? You're all Bible scholars, right? Is that what I heard? And then there's some of us who are just learning. Here's a very important passage about this whole subject of the future. According to the Lord's own words, it says in verse 15, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, that's referred to often as the rapture, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. In other words, there will be people who have died. We had a memorial service here just Friday. There are people who have passed away, and they will be caught up first, as we see it in time. And then it says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. This is what's going to happen in tomorrow. Uh, may, maybe not the, the, the 28th of February, but it's going to happen in our, our future. Uh, the, the dead in Christ will rise first, a command, I'm sorry, a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with a trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will do what? They'll rise first. You got that? So graves will be empty and people will be caught up into the Lord. Then after that, we who are still alive, if you're still on the earth, it says, and are left will be caught up together with them. So those who've gone on before, your loved ones and so on, uh, you're going to be caught up with them, according to the scripture, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the, earth, in the air. So Jesus isn't coming. Notice he doesn't come to earth. That's going to come later after the great tribulation. But he's coming to catch us up. And there may be some debate about this, but I 
Uh, I'm asking the Lord to take me out of here before there were great tribulations. Some people would like to stick around and, and prove that their theology was better than mine, but that's, that's up to them. Then he goes on to say, and so we will be with the Lord forever. That's a long time. That's with the future, the fantastic rapture. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Now, when Paul wrote that, it was pretty tough to be a believer. And maybe in your neighborhood it is. But let me give you some possible scenarios. Mark and Jim work together at a machine. And according to this, Jim will turn and Mark will be gone. Michelle is talking to Jennifer in the hallway at school. Michelle turns to say something to Jennifer and she's gone. That's what's gonna happen. Dan is playing golf with Matt. Not Pastor Matt, but Matt. And Matt steps up to hit the ball and he turns and Dan is gone. People will be on planes and pilots will be gone. This is what's going to happen in the world as we see it in scripture. And so we have to live today in light of the future. Do you get that? That's what he's saying. So how, how do we live? I just want to give you a, a few practical applications and we're going to pray. Malachi 4.2, but for you who fear my name, the, right, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. Wow. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Us in college, Joy and I were in college. There was a, a man, and he came and he had a he had a chart from it was bigger than this screen, all across the platform. And he had charted out every moment in time in history and the return of Christ and all the things. It was so much material. I frankly I didn't get it all. But I just said, Lord, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. So these two friends, Art and 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 Walt. Art's trying to, to listen to Walt's dream and Walt's trying to convince Art to get in on it. And finally, these two successful businessmen, they, they, were, they were creative people. They got back to LA and Art got out of the car and he went back to his daily radio and television business. And Walt went on with his dream. And he created Walt Disney. Walt Disney created Disneyland. You ever heard of that place? And Art would write later how he regretted, he regretted that invitation to think about tomorrow, and he was only concerned about today. And he said, I would have been the wealthiest person. Walt called me so many times. Hey, why don't you at least buy the property around my Disneyland? He said, why would I want to buy an orange grove out in the middle of nowhere? Nobody's going to drive 45 minutes to take their kids to a fun ride. Nobody's going to go there for a vacation and Art said I was wrong I didn't think in terms of tomorrow I only thought in terms of today three things be certain about your commitment to Christ know that you have made a decision to follow Jesus and you're not going to turn back Psalm 37 5 commit your way to the Lord number two be careful about your choices in these days that we live be careful about your choices. Be careful what you say about other people. Be careful of what you say about your family. Be careful about the way you use your time and the talents that God's given you and the, the treasures that you have. Joshua 24, 15, you spoke about this. 
Jason, some months ago, choose your, this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And be clear about your convictions. If you read 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous and rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but not denying its power, having nothing to do, have nothing to do with them. He says, have nothing to do with them. Be alert, in other words, don't be deceived. The Lord doesn't want you to take the wrong road. He wants you to live today in light of tomorrow. Father, we thank you for your word today from Malachi chapter 4. And we bow our heads in humble surrender to you. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, today's a great day. You've heard the gospel. You've heard the word of truth. I've tried to be as clear and uh, concise uh, that you could understand that this isn't complicated. But there is a tomorrow coming. And today you can be ready for it. It'll be more important than any investment you make in a property or a bank account or some, uh, some internet company. This is the most important decision you make. You're going to make a commitment to follow Christ, whether you're watching online or here. I would ask you to pray this prayer. Would you stand with me as we do? And would you just take your hand and lift them up? And if you would just all pray this prayer out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I surrender my life to you. I want to live today in light of tomorrow. I will follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
all the church said? Amen. What a great message, Pastor Bill. That was terrific. I really, I feel like, I feel like getting saved all over again. Hey, by the way, just before Dave Wilkerson went to be with Jesus, Joy and I were in Brooklyn, New York at the great Brooklyn Tabernacle, and he was a speaker. And so I went down and I said, you probably won't remember this, but 40 years ago, you laid hands on me as a high school kid and prayed over me. And I wanted you to know, I still love Jesus and it worked. And he smiled and said, very good, very good. If you'd like to uh, have a pastor pray with you before you go, we're here. We've done that earlier, but we're always available. And this is the last time we'll have a, a nine o'clock service for a season till Easter Sunday. So turn to the person next to you, say, I'll see you at 10.30 next week, and don't be late, all right? And know somebody's going to fight for your seat, so get here early. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace in your coming and going. God bless you as you go. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com. Or join us for our live streams at the 9 or 11 a.m. at live.pcctoday.com.